this great Senate. Thank you for these good folks who work hard to make our lives better. Make sure that all that we do is glorified for all. Jesus' name. Thank you, Chair. Yeah. Let's see. We've got three rigs in front of us this morning. And Gene, if you would keep us off on number one. Please. Yes, sir. Mr. Chairman, if you will look under tab number one, you'll find document number 4985, which is uh, from the uh, from the Board of Dentistry. It does uh, three or four things that are important here. It's going to make a requirement that 50% of the uh, continuing education hours are to be obtained in uh, live in-person attendance, and the, the remainder uh, can then be done online. It's going to reduce the number of years after licensure uh, in which a dentist or hygienist must have completed an approved CPR course from three years to two. Currently, it's three years. Now, I'll have to do it within two years. Um, it simplifies the procedures for the board elections by uh, removing the requirement that uh, notices be mailed out. So in other words, it'll be electronic notification. And it, um, it deals probably, uh, the most important things it does is deal with the uh, regulation of uh, lasers, which are now being uh, more and more used in, in, the, in the field of dentistry. Um, they will be used primarily uh, by the dentist themselves. The dental hygienist may do certain functions uh, if they are working under the uh, under the under direct supervision of the of the dentist. Uh, there's to be some uh, training established for laser use, a uh, minimum of 12 years uh, in physics and, and safety and appropriate use. And uh, for those for those who will have three years experience for those dentists. Um, with three years experience as of January the 1st of this year, uh, they will be able to, they will be able to exempt those, those 12 hours of training. That was 12 hours. Yes, sir. 12 hours. Did I say 12 years? I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's very, 12 hours. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we have anybody signed up? Uh, yes, sir. Katie Phillips from LLR is here. Come on up. How are you doing? Sorry. Welcome to the committee. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee. I'm Katie Phillips with LLR, and I'm really just here to introduce Dr. Baumgartner, who is the president for the Board of Dentistry, right. and he will be able to answer any questions that you have. I think um, Mr. Hogan has provided a summary, but he is Available to answer. Great. Glad to have you with us this morning. It's good to be here. As Ms. Phillips said, I'm Charles Von Gardner. I'm the president of the South Carolina State Board of Dentistry. I appreciate y'all's service um, to the state as senators. Thank you. Um, I guess the things that have been added, I guess, are in response, some of it, to what we've been going through in the last year. Yes, the, uh, especially the continuing education requirement. Uh, basically, we have had the continuing education requirement of 50% of the hours in live seminars and 50% online for uh, a good number of years. Now we have the interactive webinar, which doesn't really fall into any category. So we're putting that as part of live interaction. That will now enable the licensees to I have better access to continuing education programs and also reduce the cost of um, uh, receiving those types of um, continuing education. And it looks like we're um, 
commitment time from three years to two years? We've uh, licensed on a two-year cycle, and that makes it much more easily administered uh, to keep up with the need for the CPR. The industry standard actually is uh, to have CPR done annually, so that still is very easily obtained by the uh, licensees. Anyone on the committee have any questions? As Thank you, Chairman. If it, uh, as to dental hygienist, I was a little interested in that. Uh, it seems to me that we're going to have all this training for the dentists themselves. And what parts are the dental hygienists going to play in this program? For the use of the lasers, the dental hygienist will also have the requirement of 12 hours of continuing education training before they are able to legally utilize a laser in the dental setting. And so, unfortunately, the um, curriculum now for dentistry as well as dental hygiene does not include the uh, use of treatment of lasers. I have spoken with the director of Midland Stack, and they said once this regulation is passed, they will actually include that in their training, which will, again, allow the public to be better served by the dental hygienist um, from that standpoint. Tell us what you do with the laser, just uh, for the education mission. What do you do with the laser? Uh, as I was speaking to um, uh, one of the other uh, folks here, you know, in the good old days, if you had gum disease, you would go in and cut the gums and uh, put them back away from the teeth and then clean the teeth. With the laser, it's less invasive. So you can go in there and do that without having to do a standard surgical procedure. Dental hygienist would then come and maintain those areas utilizing the laser. The salespeople for the lasers right now say basically there's no regulation, so anybody can do anything. And um, dentists that utilize these lasers have come to us saying we need to have some regulation. This was crafted, written by myself and the dental hygiene representative of the board at the time, Ms. Elaine Murphy, uh, approximately three years ago. And is based on the regulations out of several states, primarily Kentucky. Right, so your doctor and your hygienist have to have 12 hours. Yes. Do they usually do that together? Typically, yes. The uh, companies that sell the lasers will not sell them to someone who does not have training. And so part of the sales package for obtaining the laser will have that uh, continuing education requirement met. You're comfortable with this? Yes, I am. Any pushback? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, okay. Uh, Chair, I'm going to motion for a favorable vote. Make a motion for a favorable vote. Motion, all in favor say aye. Opposed? Thank you. I appreciate you, sir. Gene, I think next up is. Tab two, yes, sir, Mr. Chairman. Tab two, document uh, 4986, <clears throat> which deals with the Board of Medical Examiners. Um, it's going to simplify the election procedures um, by removing the requirement that um, notice of election be mailed. It will now be it will now be electronic. Uh, it's going to reduce the number of signatures required for a candidate from 50 down to 15. 
and it removes the language uh, pertaining to the uh, election to the uh, disciplinary commission. As a commission member, you're statutorily required to be appointed by the BME and not and not elected. So it'll, it'll square that with uh, with the uh, applicable statute. Yeah, you got this one too. Okay. I have the next two. Okay. Good morning again. Still Kate Phillips and Laura. So, um, and, and I think the, the description's been provided. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, let's see. Any particular driving reason to reduce it from 50 signatures to 15? Yes. Yeah, so there are several boards that do um, elections as required by statute. The other boards have 15 signatures um, to require a particularly a physician to go around and get 15 signatures or 50 signatures of their peers in order to participate in the election. That can be quite onerous. And um, there have been times where the board has submitted where, where we need to do an election, whether it's a vacancy or expiration, and there have been no petitions submitted. So hopefully reducing the number will increase participation. It'll be consistent with the other boards that require 15 signatures. Um, and some of the congressional districts are much smaller too, which makes it even harder for those in the smaller congressional districts than the larger districts. And I guess then we're going to do it electronically now as opposed to the ballots, I guess, going out will be made, but will not be made. It, it will give the board the flexibility to do it either way. So and if somebody good. wants it mailed, they would certainly do so. Right. Uh, Any questions coming? Pretty straightforward. Is this what the medical board wants to do to streamline things for them? Yes, yeah, so this was um, approved by them to be submitted down here. So there's no pushback here either. This is what Not that I'm aware of. This is, it's really, the goal is to just more efficiencies, increase participation, make it easier. To All right. Hello, Lord. Yes, sir, Mr. Chairman. Document, uh, excuse me, uh, tab number three. We'll find document number 4987. It deals with the uh, administrator and training program uh, requirements. It um, basically in, uh, reduces the number of uh, candidates for administrator and training that a preceptor can can supervise. Uh, currently, it is two. This uh, excuse me. Currently, it is only one. This regulation would uh, expand that to two. Um, there is uh, the only the only fee associated with this is a twenty five dollar fee for the uh, for the uh, uh, administrator and training. Uh, there are uh, the, the administrator training meets with meets with the preceptor and the, uh, the core curriculum and the documents that are necessary for training are established. The 
notebook is prepared and they continue to meet with that uh, uh, with that person uh, over that uh, over that uh, uh, internship, which uh, for a um, it could be uh, depending on depending on uh, the uh, situation, it could be six months or nine months. Um, so that's just a little bit of background on that uh, relationship preceptor and how that how that training process works. But basically, the core of the of the reg is to allow the preceptor to have two trainees as opposed to only one. Okay. Nothing to add. It's just adding from one to two. And now the administrator and training. This is like something that goes on with the company that the company is the preceptor, I guess. Or who? No, the administrator or the a licensed uh, healthcare administrator, whether it's for the nursing home or the CRCF, is who becomes a preceptor. Okay. And um, there are some of those who are on the board who thought that they should increase the number from one to two. Um, and it's a voluntary program to do this administrator and training. It's just an alternative pathway to get people the experience that they need in order to apply for that administrator license once they are ready. Okay. This is a really important thing as it relates to nursing homes. I mean, as we age, as the baby boomers get older, including me, um, we're going to need a lot of nursing homes. So these administrators, they can train two at a time now as opposed to one at a time. Yes. And uh, that's probably good because they both can listen to each other's questions and learn how to, how to do that. My wife's a registered nurse, and she's actually worked in the nursing home to try to help folks in the nursing facility. So uh, that sounds great. Preceptors are very, very important, Mr. Chairman, to our, to our training for our nurses and uh, also for these administrators. Because we, we've got this uh, system in place, so I applaud you for doing that to help us in the future. Any other questions or comments? Chair, I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fowler, for that motion for the clerk of the All in favor, say aye. Thank you, Thank you. So, I believe that concludes our business. That's the entire agenda, Mr. Chair. We are adjourned. Butter. Take you. That's safe.